do appreciate the time of the Prime Minister of New Zealand here on the country. Chris Hipkins, obviously we'll kick off with the cyclone recovery. Do we have any idea at all at the moment about the cost? And is this going to get up near Christchurch earthquake levels? Because it would appear to me a lot of the damage is probably yet unknown in some ways. Yeah, it's still too early to tell, really. I mean, I'm not sure it's going to get up to the to the level of the recovery required following the Christchurch earthquakes, but it's certainly going to be very significant. And the true extent of that, we can't yet calculate it because there's still some things we don't know. You know, when it comes to the silt, for example, we don't know how much of that we're going to be able to remove and how much of that we might just need to leave where it is. Um, you know, the true extent of the damage to some of the infrastructure really is only becoming clear as we start to clean it up and start to get ready to repair. So, um, still quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of work to do in that area. Okay, how are we going to pay for it? Are we going to tax or borrow, or are we going to use Winston's secret stash? <laughs> well, look, we're working through our options around that at the moment. The good news is we're in a, we're in good financial shape to be able to weather this. So, you know, we have got options. We've got. Um, very low levels of debt if we need to increase borrowing in order to pay for it we've got the option to do that of course the thing about borrowing is you have to then pay the money back so um, you know you have to you have to make allowance for the fact that you know debt needs to be repaid so we just need to work through that carefully if you had your time again would you have taken a less understated position if that's the correct terminology around Hawke's Bay it appears that yourself Stuart Nash were probably a bit guilty of understating what's happening in there and even now even this morning I hear Mark Mitchell and Megan Woods arguing over lawlessness and looting for instance in Hawke's Bay No look I think there's one comment that I made that I regret where the information that I had been given turned out to be not correct and so of course I absolutely regret that Um, but the reality here is that the rumour mill starts to work in situations like these and that's not helpful so some of the reports of crime that we've seen out of the Hawke's Bay have turned out to simply be not true and so uh, you know that's really challenging and so my message has always been um, you know, we take the, any crime in these situations incredibly seriously. So we've got 145 extra police in the Hawke's Bay because we acknowledge that there's increased concern and that there's an increased need for policing, you know, for public safety and for all of those things. But I think it's important that, you know, we we put our trust and our confidence in the police to do the job that they're there to do. I think some of the, you know, the, the, um, the statements, you know, saying that we needed to send in the military effectively to replace the police, um, I just think that that was wrong. Um, I think the police, uh, you know, they've put the extra resource in that they need to, and I think that we should trust them to do the job that we've in, that, that they have ahead of them. But why didn't you send the army in there? What are they doing at Waiuru, having practice war games or something? I don't know. Wouldn't they be more used to the whole lot of them in Hawke's Bay? I'm not sure that trained combat pr- troops are necessarily the people that you need to have um, to do, pol- you know, to do community policing. What is effectively community policing? That's the job the police are trained for. They've put extra police into the region, recognising that there is an increased need there at the moment. You'd only send the military in really if the police couldn't cope with what was in front of them, and I haven't seen evidence that that's the case. So, and I've, you know, I've been in regular contact with the police. If the police had asked for anything extra for, from us, they would have got it. Um, in terms of the local police area commander 
anything that she has asked for, she's been given. So she asked for extra you know, boots on the ground. She got 145 of them. So there's no question that, you know, we, we are absolutely behind the people of, of Napier in particular, which is where the greatest anxiety has been. And if they need extra support, they'll get it. Yeah, but it still flies in the face of logic that people are having to set up their own vigilante groups to guard their property. That would indicate to me there aren't enough feet on the ground, whether it's police or army in Hawke's Bay. Well, look, uh, I mean, I can't comment on every individual circumstance, but the feedback that we've had from police is that um, they're not seeing the level of offending um, or the level of or any sort of suggestion of lawlessness um, to the level where that might justify sending in the military. Is it time to move from mitigation to adaption when it comes to fighting climate change? I've never seen this as an either-or thing. I think we need to be able to do both. So, yes, we've got to continue to do everything that we can to make sure that we are, you know, reducing the effects that human beings are having on the climate. But we've also got to accept that we've already had an impact on the climate, that climate change is happening, um, and that we're going to see more of the extreme weather events that we've seen in recent times. And so, uh, you know, we've got, we've got to do both. Yeah, is it time for the great rethink, reset, reprioritisation when it comes to how we worry about things in this country? Worry less perhaps about ruminant livestock, gas emissions and more about, I don't know, and I've thrown a few examples down here, the hypocrisy of carbon farming, reckless forestry practices and concentrate on the needs for flood banks, seawalls and the right road in the right place. That's going to be a big one. Well, I think things like, you know, better flood protection, that's, that's a given. I think we've got to pay real attention to that. Looking at where our roads are and the resilience of our transport infrastructure, because, of course, it's not just roads. It's also ports and airports and all of those other things as rail, all of those other things as well. We've got to make sure that we've got those um, as resilient as possible. So I think we do have to um, really um, put some real emphasis on those things uh, at the moment. Um, and, you know, we still have to look at reducing our emissions and making sure that we are doing what we can do to combat climate change. You've had a really tough first month or so in the job. Did you ever think it was easier just to be chippy from the hut rather than the PM? And, I, and I, I'll add to that news uh, yesterday of the threats uh, that you guys face and your predecessor Jacinda Ardern had unprecedented personal threats. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's a tough gig sometimes, um, but I'm really enjoying it. It's an amazing privilege to have this job as well. And so I've, I've um, you know, I'm enjoying the opportunity to get out and about and talk to people. Yes, it's been very challenging, but you also see the best of New Zealand in these circumstances as well. So I guess you see the best and the worst sometimes, um, but you certainly see people coming together and supporting each other, and that's really heartwarming. Um, and so I've, you know, I've really appreciated the way New Zealanders have, have you know, just chipped in to support each other. Um, and, you know, I've, I've um, had a lot of support from people as well in the last few weeks, and that's been really nice as well. You've got a young family. Do you ever get to see them? Uh, I've got a lot of help um, on the family front uh, because, you know, clearly I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not at home very much at the moment. So, um, you know, I've got, I've got some amazing people in my life, very fortunate to have some amazing people in my life who, are, who have been helping me out and giving me a lot of support. Chris Hipkins, we appreciate your time here on The Country. Thank you. Thank you.